0: All right, welcome to the Sports Med Analytics Podcast. I am Deepak Chona. Thank you for joining. Now let's dive in. Starting with Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Now the injury by video looked like an AC joint sprain of his shoulder. He played a whole quarter after that, and he actually played really well. And there's two specific things that reassure me. One is that he went seven for 10 after the injury. And two is that he rushed the ball four times, including one that went for a touchdown So it tells me that he wasn't overly affected throwing and wasn't overly protective and not running as a result of this play. So overall I'm looking at a mild severity injury and the outlook on these is usually an average of 0 to 1 game missed. Now over the course of three weeks is what this would generally take to get to about 100% for him to feel totally healthy and luckily that puts him still within the timeline of the regular season. But again, The average time missed is only zero or one game. So this is going to come down to philosophy of Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts probably combining their decision-making powers together. So if he's my quarterback, I'm telling Hurts, sit two weeks and come back week 18. The reason being, you need one win to to, to secure the bye if you're the Eagles. And who's to say you don't get that with Gardner Minshew against either the Cowboys this week or the Saints next? And the second issue is that I would just really want to prioritize Hertz's health for the playoffs. Hurts, from the way people talk about him on, in the Eagles locker room, seems like he's the type of guy who's going to try to be out there as soon as possible. So a week 17 return is probably the most likely outcome here. But if you were my quarterback, again, I'd be hoping for that he is coming back week 18. Either way, though, low playoff impact expected here. So Eagles fans breathe a nice sigh of relief. And then, we have Lamar Jackson. Now, he's been out for a couple weeks already. The average timeline on these is two to four weeks. So, Lamar Jackson does still have a chance to play week 16, despite missing Tuesday's practice. If he logs a limited practice session on Wednesday, he could come back for the game, but otherwise likely looking at week 17. On Lamar Jackson, data suggests lower rushing yards per carry if he's back before week 17. And again, that data doesn't come from quarterbacks, it comes more so from running backs and yards per carry for wide receivers, but again, it's a pretty similar overall outlook, likely some limitations before week 17. Then we have Debo Samuel. Now, the Niners' comments on Debo suggest that he's returning week 18. The, if you look at data, it may be a little bit longer than that. MCLs average two to four weeks, high ankles three to five. So our data suggests, if you look at those averages, particularly the high ankle, suggests more likely return date would be the first round of the playoffs, and wide receivers in this situation usually need one game to ramp up their production because the high ankle tends to have a lingering performance impact for about that long. And then we have Mike White. Now, it's not surprising that he won't be out there week 16, especially because it's a Thursday game they have coming up. The average on these is two to four weeks, and While Mike White tried to go looking for doctors, uh, he reportedly saw 10 doctors to try to get cleared in preparation for week 15. It's, again, not really surprising that he has to miss and because they wouldn't clear him. However, uh, every week of healing helps lower his risk level. So there's a decent chance he finds somebody to clear him by that third week and has a real chance to play week 17. Still, though, if Zach Wilson continues to play well, or rather starts to play well, It wouldn't be totally shocking if Mike White isn't out there just yet. And then Jonathan Taylor. Now, he's out for the year. In my eyes, this is a dynasty owner cautionary tale. You're going to get some buy-low offers on him uh, if you own him currently because Jonathan Taylor has an injury that isn't likely to linger on past this year. So even if he ends up having surgery for a recurrent high ankle, which you never want to see in season – But in offseason can even be treated with surgery and a recovery to return to football be made within three months on the conservative side we look at jonathan taylor like we previously looked at saquon as a guy who has had an injury-prone narrative sort of written about him but probably doesn't really deserve it if you look at the injuries themselves so with jonathan taylor again he's missed one game prior to this year and there's no indication that he can't hold up to high volumes It's just an injury-prone position. Running backs miss more uh, games per year than any other position in football, and it's not that surprising. So if you look at Jonathan Taylor, again, by low candidate, and that walks me to my other by low candidates due to injury. First, Jamison Williams. Now, I'm really glad to see him back out there. He doesn't, he's not producing crazy numbers yet. He's only been back for two weeks, but Again, he looks like he's making a strong recovery, and as long as he's, one, confident on this knee, and two, reasonably explosive this year, I'll be looking at Jamison Williams as a fast riser going into next year. The reason for that is because the ACL data shows us that wide receivers usually have a one-year decline in their numbers. So whatever you're seeing from Jamison Williams right now, I would consider as a bonus production-wise, and next year is when you're going to see the real deal. And then we have Brees Hall, another major buy-low candidate. Now, Brees Hall averaged 4.8 yards per carry and had a touchdown in each of his last four games played prior to this injury. And if you look at ACL data and what predicts a good return for running backs, you look at things like young age. He was 21. You can't really beat that. And you look at his production. Again, we just went over that, but it was stud-level production. And then... You look at his explosiveness metrics in the pre, pre-injury athletic testing. And for him, that includes things like a 4-3-9-40 vertical and broad jump that were over 90th percentile. And if you sum it all up, you're looking at a something similar to the way we measured Adrian Peterson and Saquon Barkley ahead of him. So Brees Hall overall has a reasonable chance to return for week one. And he'd usually be ramping up his snap count over the course of about four games, which is what we saw with young running backs Saquon Barkley and and J.K. Dobbins in the past couple of years as well. But the ACL is starting to scare people away. And the reason for that probably has something to do with guys like J.K. Dobbins. Now, Dobbins actually had a multi-ligament injury, and that's going to be an important distinction in a second, because despite Dobbins' sort of rough course back, he of course, came back after missing a first few weeks and then got re-injured or re-shut down and, and had to have a stint on the IR and came back after another five or six weeks and is still ramping up. But Dobbins had a multi-ligament injury, and that means it's more than just the ACL. Brees Hall, on the other hand, had what's considered a likely clean ACL, and if that reporting is truly accurate, then he makes for a good bounce-back candidate for 2023 and then we have kyler murray now the late season injury is unfortunate but quarterback acl return data is a little more favorable than both running back and wide receiver data on this the average timeline is about 10 months so week one is a realistic goal but you would more commonly miss about one month of the season now pocket quarterbacks don't really see stats dip upon return and kyler murray has kind of shown us the ability to both play from the pocket and outside of it But data suggests that his running explosiveness will probably take a full 12 months to hit 90% of his pre-injury form, with 100% coming the following year. So overall, we're looking for a good year, maybe not great from Kyler Murray to start off, but by the time the end of the season comes around, he's probably looking mostly like what we saw before injury at this point. And then my favorite player on this list, Damian Pierce, Texans running back. Now he's out, He's didn't get a lot of attention this year because the Texans were such a horrendous team. We ranked 29th in offensive line according to PFF, but this is still a player who in his rookie year put up over 1,000 yards on 4.3 yards per carry and proved his ability to be in a dual threat high volume role, overall a pretty reliable player. Now the Texans are going to improve fast, and that's not just my Houston bias coming in. He has. We have three picks in the top 35, including, of course, very likely the number one overall. So this is a team that's going to get an infusion of talent quickly. Damian Pierce is, again, not an injury-prone player. It's just an injury-prone position. So I wouldn't necessarily hold this against him going into next year, as similar to Jonathan Taylor, this situation is one that should be very much behind him when he gets into next year without any lingering performance or re-injury impact so that's all we got for today again buy low on pierce texan's gonna improve fast and i will see you guys next time